I'm Eric Martin. Welcome to Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'll be your host for our exclusive VIP dining experience where you'll meet top restaurateurs and other special guests. First, you'll get to know our celebrity restaurant owner, enjoy an amazing front-of-the-house virtual culinary experience, and then wrap up by learning key action steps, insights, and inspiration for thriving in the food service industry. Now, let's get rolling. Okay, Passion Nation, welcome to Episode 11 of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm your host, Eric Martin. I'm extremely excited to be here today with the incredible Siler Chapman. As you get to know Siler today, you will be blown away uh, by his background and who he is a person and what he has to offer. So, okay, Siler, before I give you a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's doing awesome out there today. Thank y'all for having me on today. And uh, hopefully, you know, by the end of the segment, you'll be able to take home the things that I learned and be able to implement some new techniques and uh, be able to actually um, enjoy what you do if, if everybody's had a rough year, you know. So how do we make the best out of the moment that we're living in right now? And, you know, we all work multiple, multiple hours, more than a nine to five. And, you know, at the end of the day, we got to still have fun doing what we love to do. So hopefully some people can get some nuggets off of this today. Absolutely. And you have hit the nail on the head. Um, it's been a challenging year, but, um, you know, we hope to, that restaurant owners are some of the most special entrepreneurs in the world. They serve others, you know, day in and day out. And um, hopefully, we can get some nuggets so we'll all be better as we come out of this pandemic. So, well, very good. Let me give a full and proper introduction. Siler Chapman is the owner of King of Fire Pizza. Chef Siler Chapman's goal is like no other, to offer a unique catering experience for any occasion, making only the very best pizzas he's perfected from scratch. And perfected he has. He is a three-time world pizza champion, founding member of the World Pizza Champions, and PerfectingPizza.com. In addition, he is a professional pizza acrobat and champion dough thrower, and he has appeared on Food Network, The Today Show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, The Steve Harvey Show, and Good Morning America. And none of those are typos. Go to YouTube, watch the videos. It's unbelievable to see somebody ride a unicycle and toss dough through their legs, around their back, uh, et cetera. It is very, very entertaining and amazing at the same time. But his his sleek, mobile, wood-fire catering company, King of Fire, brings great-tasting food across the Carolinas and beyond. It's a family-run business, which understands the importance of a well-run event and great food. If anyone is the King of Fire, it is Siler Siler Chapman. So, Siler, why don't you tell us, before we dive into the menu in the front of the house segment, tell us uh, about how you got started in the food service industry and the pizza business. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, what an intro. Thank you, Eric. Um, You're making me really hyped up there. So, um, 
I am a normal person. I put my pants on the same way everybody else does. However, at um, in uh, 2001, we all had a you know crazy time. 9/11 happened, and I was at UNC Charlotte for mechanical engineering, and I noticed all these engineers coming back to the teachers and or the professors and saying how they lost their jobs. And I'm like, you're telling me someone ran a plan. And I come from a little small town outside of Charlotte called Waxhaw. And, you know, I didn't understand terrorism and I didn't understand what actually actually went on, you know, and what was going on and how people got laid off and was so affected by this, you know, and 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 at a world level. Um, I was always just in my little bubble. And, you know, when I was 12, um, I started with my best friend's mom. Me and him would go in on a Friday and Saturday nights and wash dishes in her pizzeria in Waxhaw and make 20 bucks. And as we were getting older, we would go back and make our own pizzas and uh, cook the pizzas in the wood or in the in the stone deck ovens. And, you know, that's where the love and the passion came from of learning how to make pizzas. So as I went to school, I was like, I just, I, I didn't want to work for somebody else. I was like, how can someone fire me over someone, something I didn't do or a, a world event happens, we get laid off. And that just wasn't me. I was like, I'm, I can't do that. I got to go work for myself. And I kept praying hard about it. And uh, this little thing in my head popped up and said, you got to open a pizzeria. And in art appreciation class for the next four weeks, I wrote a 52 page paper on how, um, my uh, pizzeria could be profitable and I presented it to some investors and um, ended up uh, got the money at 18 years old and started my first restaurant until the end of 2001. So that was the beginning of my journey. And um, as we grew, we ended up, uh, I got to three stores and in 2007 was uh, approached by a man by the name of Joe Drury. He was, um, he just got done selling Bojangles at the time, a uh, big chicken concept here on the East Coast, and ended up, uh, we, he bought all the rights for North and South Carolina for Donato's pizzas. So I sold him my stores, and we converted them, and ended up, uh, we opened up uh, right at like 15 Donato's here in the Carolinas. And we rode that wave all the way to 2012. We got hit hard in 2010. You know, everybody got affected that 08, 09, but we were opening so many stores so fast. People were still coming, so our numbers were good. We got hit hard in 2010, right after the $10 pizza war uh, with, you know, Papa John's Pizza Hut came out. We got hit pretty hard with that. But we got back profitable um, in um, 11, the end of 2011 and in 12. And we were so burned out. We were like, let's sell our, our shares and get out as we can. So that's what we did and um, took a non-compete. And then, you know, sitting on the sidelines for a couple of years, um, I was still part of the World Pizza uh, team. I'm one of the founding members of the World P- Pizza Champions. And me and another guy there, uh, Michael Shepard, decided, hey, you know, there's a big need for online help and online resources for the mom and pop pizzerias. So we created Perfect and Pizza, and it's more of like a self help motivating. It's it's twenty five bucks a month. They go on, they get unlimited resources, documents, handbooks, you name it. It's on there. How to videos. There's not a thing missing. And we kept growing that, growing that. Well, we were out in uh, California and Pennsylvania doing some interviews with some guys that had these little wood-fired catering trailers. And me and Michael looked at each other and was like, 
oh my goodness, we got to get a set of these things. These are the coolest looking trailers. You know, we could do side gigs of weddings, uh, private events, little catering, you know, jobs here and there and not have to be full time back into a restaurant. And um, we ended up, that's where the birth of King of Fire came from. And, you know, that was 2018. Uh, We're here in 2021. And we just came off of a record year. Um, You know, through the pandemic, this was probably the best thing that ever happened to us. So that's kind of um, where it all began. That's amazing and uh, fantastic. So you pivoted through that. You've everything that you've done, um, you know, in the industry and in your career has prepared you for the next step, you know, and you kind of take it one step at a time. So that's exciting. And uh, perfectingpizza.com, that looks like an absolutely incredible resource um, that is available. I know that. That'll be a very valuable resource to many of our listeners as well, whether they want to put, uh, whether they're a full service restaurant, uh, fast casual, want to put pizza on the restaurant or run a full pizzeria. I know there are resources there that can benefit them. So, well, fantastic. So let's jump into talking about your menu uh, at King of Fire Pizza. So when you, when you look at uh, the King of Fire Pizza experience, uh, what do you want our front of the house VIPs to know about your operations unique experience that they may not know? Well, you know, when, when people, I mean, we're a food truck, you know, so it, it, it's different. You know, people have a persona of food trucks can be nasty, dirty. Now, the last three years that that image has changed a lot, you know. So when I started this concept, um Outside the catering end, I wanted to do some vending. I wanted to be able to go to a corporate uh, uh, parks where there was a thousand people there and they needed lunch on a, on a fly. Um, I wanted to be able to go to um, the neighborhoods and set up at the pool house. So you can't just come with any type of food truck. You got to look, present yourself as first class, everything you're going, because looks are everything at, at the beginning. So now we're talking front of house, you know. Our people have to be presentable. Um, but I didn't want to be so because I came from the corporate world, too. I didn't want to be so corporate where it didn't have the like the, the home style feel of everything, um, uh, too. Um, sorry about that. But we you know, I wanted um, I wanted everyone to that work the front of a house have their personality shine somehow, some way. So everybody has their own characteristics as a human, but I wanted the, their personalities to come out and have fun with the customers coming up. And I'm going to give you an example. Someone comes up and they say, hey, I want a pepperoni with mushroom pizza. You know, okay, cool. Well, we can just do that and go on our way. But how about make some fun? Do you want regular mushrooms or the funny mushrooms? You know, and they're like, well, what are funny mushrooms? Now you're starting to talk to them, right? And then we can joke with them and be like, well, the funny ones are the ones that are going to make you feel funny in 20 minutes. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we need those because it's been a bad day, you know? And it's like, (laughs) you know, just joking around. Everybody knows it's fun and jokes, you know? Or, you know, we'll even come out and say, hey, do you um, you want that pizza cut with a smile or no smile? And they're like, well, what's a smile? And I'm like, well, this is a small, and do you want us to cut it with it or without it? And it's it's going to make it taste different, you know. And they're like, what? Well, we want a small, you know, and just to make people feel, 
kind of loose when they come up and, and be themselves, that's the, the front of house experience we want. We don't want to just be an order taker, if that gives you it's, Absolutely. And, and that's what hospitality is all about. It's not just right. about serving food. It's offering an experience. And uh, that's one thing we want to promote on Feeding Your Passion is that hospitality experience. It's a differentiator. Anybody can go uh, buy a meal, but uh, when they have an experience and a bright spot in their day, uh, that's important. So, and Aaron, your, I want to touch on that one thing. Yeah, please. So our trailers, if you go on Instagram and kind of see it, they have two big side windows, and they're the big windows. They're not like a typical food truck. So They're beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So anybody that's making dough all the way to cooking the pizza, you as the customer can see it all. You hear it all so they can hear your conversations. But if they see the team having fun and working together as one during a massive line, massive rush, and the food's getting out on a timely manner, they're like, wow, these guys really love what they're doing. And it makes for a better experience instead of you hearing the manager yelling at each other and do this, do that, no this, it makes for a negative. So no matter what uh, what the experience is, you know, we want them to see us all having fun. And if everybody's having fun, less mistakes happen. And, and it, it, it creates uh, the chaos doesn't look as chaotic as it can be. So Absolutely. Well said. That is a nugget right there for sure. So so in your operation, King of Fire Pizza, what is the most popular or highest volume item on your menu? Describe that offering for us. Yeah, no. So it's the honey pie. Um, everybody's like honey on a pizza. Doesn't that make sounds sense. amazing. We're, we're in the South and people are like, what? You know, so a lot of people in the South like a little bit of spice. However, we're bringing that sweetness to the pizza. So we do pepperoni, uh, red pepper flakes, and then we drizzle some local honey on the pizza. And it changes people's lives. And so many people are skeptical of trying it because they're like, it's honey on pizza. Well, you don't actually taste the honey. You taste the sweetness of the honey because it's melting down. So it doesn't have that like strong honey taste. Um, So I literally, we all tell people, listen, if you hate it, you completely just do not like it. You bring it back here and we'll make you a regular pepperoni pizza, whatever it is that you want. And we have in the three years, nobody's ever taken us up on that offer. Everybody absolutely loves it. So, and some people say this has changed our lives. We put honey on everything at home now, like that we're cooking pizzas at home. It's like people really, really adapt to it and love it. So that is our number one. Yeah. Yeah, that sweet and savory flavor profile. And hey, a definite trend in the industry today is functional foods and local honey is good for preventing allergies, right? That's so, yeah, absolutely. So that's a benefit too. So, well, it's funny you say that too, because my kids, like, literally, they, since we put honey on just a cheese pizza for them, you know, none of the, the spicy stuff, just honey. They have to have honey on everything now. It is the funniest thing ever, and it helps with their allergies. So, yeah, you know, in the South, that's important for sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, Siler, what is another chef recommended item that we must try uh, when we come to a King of Fire Pizza event? Tell us about that item. Um. So. If, if you're coming, like, we really, really do a good job with, uh, like, on the catering side, our meatballs are to die for. Uh, we, we present them really well in, a, in a, like, a cute little cup. 
put a little sauce on the bottom, the meatball on top, put a toothpick on it, um, and then put some fresh parm and fresh basil on top. But, you know, definitely as, as far as the pizza goes, um, on the, you know, because we streamline it in the trucks. We, we streamline our menu. It's kind of like a you go into Chick-fil-A, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can pick six pizzas and that's all you're getting. You know, we get the garlic nuts, you can get some cannolis, stuff like that. But the one that really trips people out is the size favorite. And that's my favorite, which is the chicken bacon ranch. But we put kettle chips on it. Who put kettle I chips? I saw on? that. Yeah. yeah. So that one throws everybody for a loop. And, it, you know, with kettle chips, it doesn't get soggy in the, in the wood fire. We have to build everything, the toppings on the bottom, the cheese on the top, so it doesn't fry the chips and they just come out black. Uh, and then we, we drizzle some um, uh, nice uh, hot sauce on top. So everybody gets a huge kick out of it, but it gives you a little little saltness and it yeah. keeps that crunch going. So people love Absolutely. it. That sounds fantastic. We, we actually took it off the menu to add another one on the menu um, last month. And literally, we've got more people Facebook messaging us, uh, DMing us, doing all this crazy stuff, saying, no, we want the size back. So I think next month we've got to bring it back because we've got a lot of mad people out there without having it. So. Yeah, well, that's a good sign. You start getting feedback from your, your customer base. So, yeah. so as we wrap up the front of the house uh, experience and transition into the back of the house segment, um. You talked about fun, but are there any other front of the house strategies or core values uh, that you focus on for maximizing your patrons' experience? Um, you know, not the the biggest thing there is just treating everybody as as great as we can and getting to know them because you know when a kid comes up to a pizza truck, they're going to remember that experience one, and then if we can remember their names. That is a huge thing because 10 years from now, they could possibly be working for us, you know, and it's funny. I actually have a guy that's working for us now, and he remembers going to my original restaurant because he used to get to play PlayStation there because we used to have screens set up and the kids could play PlayStations instead of video games. PlayStation was the big thing, and he remembers that, and he's now working for me. So, you know, little things like that, um, I think, are a big key for long-term growth. Fantastic. And, and um, you make a good point. You have a long-term vision. You know, it's not just about today. And a good friend of mine in the industry, when, when I bought um, with partners the first company uh, in, in this industry, he said, hey, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that's good advice for sure. Well said, so, yeah. yeah. So as we transition, we're rolling in the back of the house segment now. Uh, Siler, what is one thing you feel like you've done really well in the development of your restaurants and your food service operation today, just throughout your career? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Restaurant level, speed is everything. Consistency, uh, creates credibility. We've all heard that, um, how, you know, from when a ticket prints to how fast can it get in the oven to all the way to cutting the pizza, you know, there's a time there and there's a timeline you know, people in a mom and pops, when they go to a pizzeria, they, they feel that it's okay to wait 20, 25 minutes. It's okay to wait for delivery 45 minutes to an hour. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with a mom and pop, not a, we're not talking chain operation, we're talking mom and pops. To me, that's unacceptable. And why is that? Why have we created this thing? Well, 
you know, everybody says, well, quality takes time to cook. You're right. But the 12, it's a 12 minute maximum pizza cook time. Unless we're going Chicago deep, deep dish and stuff like that. That's another level. Okay. But let's talk your average mom and pop. That's making maybe a hand tossed or a New York style in the oven at max is 12 minutes. So you got three minutes to get it in the oven and get it cut to run your 15 minute time, you know? So, so 20, 25 minutes is unacceptable. So teaching and coaching and making the systems on how do you get on a busy Friday night when you're doing a thousand dollar hour or $2,500 hour, no matter what the hour, you know, dollar amount is, how do you get every pizza, every ticket that comes in, in that oven in three minutes? That's the name of the game. That changes credibility for the future and future growth. And um, that is one thing I have focused on for many, many years. And I brought that to the food truck. So how do we implement in such a small, tight space? How do you crank out 200 pizzas in an hour and a half? You know, and, yeah. and you can only fit, you know, for an average guy turning pizzas, he can only fit six pizzas in the oven where like a like a you know, like me or one of my general managers, we can do eight and 10 at a time, but you're, you're trying to create long, you know, everybody to be able to cook. So we'll run six, seven pizzas in the oven instead of 10 and get a good quality cook. How do you do that? And you're turning those pies every two minutes. Well, there's a time, I mean, you can only do so much, right? So how do we create the systems in a food truck and we've ripped out, equipment we've redone everything we've changed it here we've changed it 55 different times how but how do you do that on a maximum and you're turning pies you know no matter what and within 10 minutes you know our thing is when you come to our truck we don't want to be over 10 minutes rather right. if we got 20 people or not we, we can't be over 10 minutes and so right um, that that those systems and and thinking outside the box has made us win in that category Great input. That's the entrepreneurial spirit. You you figured out, tweak and refine, and uh, yeah. yeah, speed. Well, and, and, and a lot of and, and I say this respectfully. A lot of people are comfortable with the numbers they're doing. They're comfortable with that 25, 30 minute. But if I was to come to your restaurant and there was no tickets up, I get an experience of I get that pizza in twelve minutes. But then on a busy Friday night, it takes an hour to get that pizza. Why is that? And where's the breakdown, you know, so that, that I always work backwards and always tried to be the best at that. Great input. That is great input. Setting a goal to meet and exceed their expectations. And then you work backwards. Uh, that right. is fantastic. So, so what is one thing you now know that you wish you would have known when you started your food service journey? Uh, from, from the beginning or from today, like, Help me out on that question. Yeah, just something you you now know just from all your years of experience, you now know about the food service industry that would have helped you uh, when you started in the industry. So if you're talking to somebody that's getting started in the industry today, what's something you now know that they need to know as they get started? Okay, I think I think build outs are, are key. I think leases are key. When you open up your restaurant, you work for two people, the landlord and the food distributor. Okay. And, and that is very true. It is what it is. If you set up your menu 
to be the most profitable menu from menu engineering, breaking everything backwards before you even open. You create a lease that if anything happens, you're protected, but you're also keeping a one to two percent lease in in dollar amounts of the whole picture versus a six to ten percent. You know, think about leases out there that they they roll the taxes in. Well, if I sell a building or the landlord sells a building, but he bought it for eight hundred thousand, okay, and he sells it for two point five. His, his lease says that tax rolls in, all the taxes roll in from year to year. Well, now they were paying taxes on 800000 Now they're paying it on two point five because he sold the building and the county found out that they, what he sold it for. So the new value of the billion is two point five versus 800000 That can take a lease from six grand to 11 grand overnight. Yeah. So get those fine details and take time on it. Get multiple attorneys ideas or, you know, feedback on those stuff and, and don't just sign a lease just because you're happy about the location. Um, the, the guys that I talk to in the restaurant industry that make the most money own the building or they, um, have such a cheap lease and, and such a great structure that they are not working for the landlord. Okay. Great input. Um, number two, when, you know, let's go back to the food vendor side, you know, not working for the food vendor. A lot of people, and this is, I got in this rut when I started the King of Fire again. Okay. So many people go and they price war against all the different vendors. Okay. Go get you a prime vendor agreement with one vendor that can carry all your stuff. Even if you have to sign a guarantee that you're going to, if they bring in 50 cases of this, you're going to buy all 50 cases and get the price down lower and quit trying to nickel and dime everybody because you're wasting your time trying to save nickels and dimes and you're tripping over dollars because you're not out in the front of the house. You're not out shaking hands and and uh, meeting the community and being a, a part of the community. You get that prime vendor agreement set up, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can be out there building building the top line, not the bottom line. Great input. That is great input from experience. So, Siler, take us to the worst, most challenging moment as a restaurateur. Tell us that story and what you learned or gained through that experience. All right. So it goes back to the 2009, you know, 2000, 2008 uh, crisis. We were building restaurants at $680,000, Okay. We didn't own the buildings at that amount of money. We're dumping money. We should have been building out at 350, you know, um, but we we were building out so many so fast. We didn't have the time to slow down and, and really hunker down on the turnkey and, and get everything down lower, you know, to have a, um, you know, to be more smaller, more manageable investment. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when we're building them out so fast. Well, when the, the economy crashed, we go from, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in sales a week to going to twelve to fifteen thousand a week. Well, that difference is that there went all the profit, you know. And so um, I think creating um, creating a uh, um, let me let me think of the right words here. Creating your your product, everything, your model, your model around the worst case scenario, you will you will succeed any 
economic disaster we go through here Ford. COVID being prime example. Yep. Think about these guys that had $11,000, $12,000 rents. I know some guys that had $18,000 rents. You know, they can't survive through one day being closed. They just can't survive. And they didn't have the cash flow or the, the savings to do it. And I had an old, old great-grandfather of mine always tell me, save for the rainy day. Save for a rainy day. Right. Because that rainy day will come. It will not right. always be sunny. And so, you know, I take that advice today because anybody building restaurants or wanting to get bigger and better, slow down, make sure you're 100% and your model can restrain any crisis in today's world. And I think after COVID, now we know what the worst can be, what it looks like. I, I don't That's know right. if it could ever, I don't think it, it could get worse, but I don't think it'll ever. But will we have another pandemic like that again in the future? Absolutely. I don't think it'll be in 10 years. I don't think it might be in 15. Who knows? But you better set up for the long term. You better now know what it looks like and you better have an answer for it when it does come. That's right. That's how we become more resilient. And this industry is extremely resilient, but we now have insights in how to be even more resilient uh, for the future. So, Okay, Passion Nation, that wraps up part one with Siler Chapman, the King of Fire. Uh, he has shared some incredible morsels of wisdom with us. Much more to come on part two. I promise you, you're going to want to hear part two of the podcast with Siler Chapman. He will be discussing innovation and how it can significantly impact your business, the $15 minimum wage and how it can impact the restaurant industry. He also shares with us what he's the most passionate about and the best advice he's ever received. So thank you for joining us today. Join us again next week for part two with Siler Chapman. I also want to invite anybody and everybody listening to this episode that if you know a restaurant owner that you would love to hear on Feeding Your Passion, then email me and introduce me to them, and we will see if we can have them as a future guest on Feeding Your Passion. So you can email me at eric at feedingyourpassion.com, copy them, and we'll see if we can have them as a future guest. So always remember that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with Eric and Siler today. With that, we'll catch you on the next episode of Feeding Your Passion. Until then, stay hungry and go be great, Passion Nation. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. Also, please visit our website, feedingyourpassion.com, to sign up for our email list so that we can deliver each episode right to your inbox and so that you can give us feedback on our content because we want to be dialed in to what you're passionate about. Until next time, go be great, Passion Nation.